chapter 7. How many guys are ready for the Word of God? I'm used to preaching quite a few times, uh, you know, in a week. And this week I didn't preach Sunday night because I wasn't here. I was at a a gang regional service. And uh, we had a good time over there. And uh, it feels like I haven't preached in a long time. So hopefully I'm going to get the cobwebs out real quick. Amen. The book of Luke, chapter 7. And our text is found, verse number 11. And we'll conclude in verse number 17. And I'm going to begin to read. It reads, Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us. And God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you and we want more, God. And Father, we know that, Lord Jesus, you're still able. And Father, I pray that your anointing would fall. I pray that, Father, you would move in the miraculous way, in a supernatural way here tonight. Father, I pray that we don't get caught up in how many are here And who's not here. But Father that we just get caught up in your presence. And thank you that you're here oh God. And Father that you would move God. And that you would have your way. Father just take control of our hearts God. Settle every heart and mind God. That we would be receptive to your very word. And allow your very word to impact our lives. And Father that we would never be the same. Father I'm careful to give you all the honor and all the glory. And I ask this in Jesus name. Amen and amen. The title of my message just briefly here tonight is Jesus is still able. Jesus is still able. How many guys believe that tonight? He's still able. He's still a miracle working God. There's nothing too great nor too small that God can't move in. There's nothing that he's not able to do. What what the Bible says, what's impossible with man is possible with God. That there's, and then it asks another question in the Old Testament, is anything too hard for the Lord? There's nothing too hard for the Lord. It's too hard for us to build a church. It's too hard for us to graduate the recovery home. It's too hard for us to keep our marriage and our families together. It's too hard for us at times to be delivered and set free from different vices or substances. It's too hard for us to continue to serve God. Oh, but glory be to God, my friend, when Jesus comes upon the scene of our lives. Because he's still able. He's still able. If Jesus isn't able, then our faith is in vain. Everything that we believe, everything that we do for God would be useless and mean nothing. Faith is important to our lives and we need to understand this significance here tonight. I love this verse in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20. And it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, 
Or let me say that again. Immeasurably. More than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is work at work within us. It says now to him who is able. That word able in the Greek you get that dunamai word. That dunamai means to be capable, strong, and powerful. And powerful. See, we have to understand that God is able, that Jesus is able. He's more than capable. He's more than strong enough. He has all the power that is needed to do whatever it is that you're looking for tonight. He's able. He's able. See, have you ever had something or someone die in your life? Anybody? It could be a dog, a cat, a family member, a grandparent. Death is a reality that exists around all around us today because we all you know realize that people die animals die and all living things eventually die in the book of romans chapter 5 and verse number 12 it says therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and in this way death came to all men because all sinned and in the book of romans 6 23 it says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, Jesus is the giver of life. He was victorious over death. He rose from the dead. Because of that, he's able to turn that which is dead in your life into that which is alive. But how does he do that? And we're going to look at a few things here tonight that are necessary for Jesus to do a miracle in your life like he did in our text here today see how many guys know that that he's still able right he's still a miracle working god we all have felt needs here tonight we all come and we collectively were to add all our needs together we would think that they're impossible yes in human standpoint they are impossible but i'm telling you you got to get this deep in your soul that is not impossible with god that god is still able that he's a miracle working god and there's nothing too big nor too hard for him to move in he's still able jesus is still able but we must number one believe he has the power to be to meet our needs excuse me to meet our needs he has the power to meet our needs. We have to believe here tonight. How many guys believe? Anybody believe? We have to believe that he has the power to meet our needs. In our text, in verse number 11 and 12, it says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. See, the city of Nain was about 25 miles southwest of Capernaum. It was a small city that was basically in ruins during the days of Jesus. This was no accident. Jesus didn't just show up. It was part of his plan and purpose for this family. It was God's providence at work in their lives. See, listen to me. Is there something in ruins in your life here tonight? Is it your finances? Is it your career? Is it your marriage? Is it your family? Is it your health? Is there something that seems to be in ruins tonight? Whatever is in ruins in your life tonight, Jesus wants to come and he wants to bring life back to, to it. Amen? 
He wants to come and he wants to bring it back to life. He wants to come and resuscitate it. He wants to come and resurrect it. He wants to come and perform his power on your behalf here tonight. What is in ruins in your life? Is it your health? Is it a relationship? Is it your career? Is it your finances? Is it your family? Is it your faith? What is it that you come in with tonight and say, man, this situation in my life is too great for me. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight that you're, you're in a prime position for God to perform a miracle on your behalf. See, but we want the miracle, but we don't want to go through the pain. We want the miracle, but we don't want the struggle that goes before the miracle. We want the miracle, but we don't want to go through anything to get that miracle. But you got to be a person that's willing to say, no matter what I got to go through, no matter what got to take place, I want God to move in my situation. There's some things that are ruined in my life, and I want God to perform on my behalf here tonight. See, this was no accident. Jesus knew what he was doing. Also, at this time, there was a sad event taking place in this town. A funeral was taking place. A dead man was being carried to the graveyard. And what made this event even sadder was the fact that this man was the only son of his mother. She was in sorrow and grief because her only son had died. See, no mother should ever have to bury her son. And to make matters even worse, she was also a widow and now she was all alone. While this man was in need of life, this woman was in need of comfort and companionship. And even though there was a large crowd of people with her, she was still and she still felt all alone. See, it's crazy, but how can we be in a large crowd and still be lonely? That's because people can only do so much. And what the people have may have tried to do for this woman in comforting her, only Jesus was actually able to do. See, you could come to church tonight, and there could be a few people or a lot of people or in between, and you could come in, in need of comfort. And you may say, you know what, man, somebody gave me a hug and somebody, you know, shook my hand and somebody greeted me at the door and somebody gave me a high five and somebody prayed for me at the altar. But I'm here to tell you that only takes you so far. But when Jesus reaches down and he touches you, only he can touch you all to the soul of your body. He's the only one that can really comfort us. How many can say amen? Something else I'd like to, for you to think about is that while the city of Nain was in ruins, the actual name of this town means beautiful or pleasant. See, is there something in your life that once was beautiful or pleasant and is now in ruins? See, God can make it beautiful and pleasant again. You may say, man, it was my relationship, my wife, my husband. We, we had this beautiful and pleasant relationship at one time. But it's devastating right now. It's in ruins right now. And I'm coming and perhaps my spouse ain't with me. And I'm believing that God is going to make it beautiful and pleasant once again here tonight. You may say, you know what, man? It's a, a severed relationship with a, a brother or a sister or a son or a daughter. You may say, man, uh, uh, at one time it was beautiful, it was pleasant. But now it's been severed and it's lying in ruins now. 
And you've come and I'm here to tell you that Jesus is still able and he wants to make it beautiful and pleasant all over again. Is there something in your life? What is it? We all have something. If we're honest enough and we're, we're brave enough, and we're courageous enough to look in the mirror and look to the Lord and say, God, this area of my life at one time, it was beautiful, it was pleasant, it was glorious, it was nice. But over the years, maybe I've neglected it. Over the years, maybe I've taken advantage of it. Over the years, things have happened and changed. And God, I need you to show up tonight. I want it to be beautiful again. I want it to be pleasant again. I want it to have that sweet aroma again. God, I need you to do something in this situation again. I need it to be pleasant all over again. See, God is in the, the change business. He's in the business of turning dead things into living things. He can turn ashes into something beautiful. If you turn with me to Isaiah 61, 2 and 3, real quick, it just says, God sent me to announce the year of his grace, a celebration of God's destruction of our enemies, and to comfort all who mourn. To care for the needs of all who mourn in Zion. Give them bouquets of roses instead of ashes. See, God is still able to turn ashes, the ashes in your life, into something beautiful. And he does it only by his power. In the book of Philippians 3.10, it says, I want to know Christ and the power that raised him from the dead. See, how many of you want to know that power? Anybody? How many of you want to know and experience that power, the resurrection power, when something is dead in your life, and in the name of Jesus, you can speak life back into it? Come on, how many guys believe that tonight? How many guys need that tonight? Because we still have, and we have that resurrection power inside of us. The same power that resurrected that dead son is the same power that's made available to us. It's resurrection power. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, it says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. See, God has the power to help you tonight. His power can supply all your needs no matter what they might be. And we know Philippians 4.13, I can do everything, all things through Christ who gives me the strength. It doesn't say some things. It doesn't say the small things. It doesn't say the minute things. It doesn't say the little things. It says all things, beloved. And whatever it is that you need tonight, you're able to make it through it. In Philippians 4.19, it says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I don't know about your God. I said, I don't know about your God. But my Bible says, my God is able. My God will meet. My God is able to meet all our needs. How many can say amen? amen? See, Jesus, who had the power to raise this man from the dead in our text, has the power to meet every need that you have here tonight. You've got to believe he has the power to meet our needs. How many guys still believe here tonight? He has the power. I want you to think about that need here tonight, whatever it may be. We all came here for a reason. We all come for something. We all realize that we're limited in our own strength and our own resources. 
And we all realize that, that, and we need to know before we leave, if you didn't realize before you got here, that he's still able. We have to know that he's able to meet those needs, small, great, in between, whatever they may be, insignificant. We have to know tonight that God is still able, that Jesus will move, that he's able to meet those needs. You got to believe, though, that he has the power to meet our needs. Number two is Jesus is still able, but we must allow him to touch our lives. We must allow him to touch our lives. In the book of Luke, chapter 7 of our text, verse 13 and 14, it reads, When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. He said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. While God's power, listen to me, is able to meet our needs. We need to get connected to it in order for it to change our lives. How many guys want your life changed? How many guys are not satisfied? How many guys want more, need more, searching for more? How many guys, man, are like, man, I want to be changed. Something's got to give. Something has got to change. I don't want to be the same no more. Anybody desperate here tonight? See, if you have, uh, I don't know about you, but, uh, I, you know, if you have a blow dryer, if you have a toaster, anybody got a blow dryer or a toaster or a, a power drill, not a cordless, but a power drill? You know, there's so many different things that a blender, uh, the list goes on and on and on. See, if we have those things, we know they don't work unless you plug the cord into the power source. See, God is our power source, and in order for his power to have any effect, in our lives or on our lives, we need to get in touch with him through his son. That's why Jesus touched the coffin. See, when Jesus touches your life, it could turn that which was dead, like I said, into that which is alive. It could turn that which is weak into that which is strong. It could turn sorrow into joy. It could change your life, the life of your family, the life of our church, our city, our community, our workplace, our school. It is able to do something. It's able to change. See, just like the heart of Jesus went out to this woman, his heart goes out to you. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to help you. And he can, but you have to allow him. When Jesus touched the coffin... Those carrying it stood still. Because that's what happens when, de when Jesus touches your life. It causes you to stop and reflect upon your life. I don't know about you, but when Jesus touched my life many, many years ago, I remember I was broken at an altar and I never really cried much before. Especially in public. You know, that we grow up with that saying that only sissies cry, men don't cry. And we grow up with that. And we had that embedded in our souls that, that, man, if you're a man, you can't cry. And I remember when I made that first altar call. And I remember it felt like Jesus reached down from heaven and he touched my life. And I remember when he touched me, all of a sudden the tears began to flow. And I begin to reflect and I begin to think and I begin to realize that there has to be more to life. I don't have to go back to prison. I don't have to be on drugs. I don't have to go back to a bar. I don't have to represent a neighborhood because Jesus touched my life. 
when he touches your life, it causes you to reflect. I don't know about you, but it did for me. I began to realize I got kids that I got to be there for. I got kids that I don't want to have to go through what I went through. I don't want to live this life no more. This is not even living life. This is just merely existing. And I began to reflect and say, man, there got to be more. There has to be more. I don't want to just be another, another number and statistic from the streets. I don't want to be just another number that, okay, goes in and out of prison and they don't view you as a human no more, but they view you as a number. I don't want to be looked at as an outcast. I don't want to be looked at as a deadbeat father. I don't want to be looked at as a no good for nothing drug addict with no future and no hope but destruction. Oh, but Jesus came into my life and he touched me. And because he touched me, beloved, all those chains were broken. Because I evaluated my life. I said, man, is this really all there is? Serious? Is this it? Is this it? I already been shot before, I already been in prison before, I already been hooked on drugs before, I already sold drugs before, I already experimented with everything else out there. Is this really all there is to life? Am I just gonna, all I got to look forward to is going in and out and, and doing this drug and that drug and, and going to this party and that party, going to this club and that, sleeping with this woman and that, is that all there really is? And I began to evaluate my life and I could feel the touch of Jesus. And I could feel that, you know how uh, the widow with the issue of blood is like when she touched the, the hem of his garment. That she, you know, Jesus felt power coming out of him. Well, it was the other way with me when he touched me. It was like I felt his power coming out of him and breaking every yoke of bondage and breaking and demolishing every stronghold. Demolishing it. Because he touched my life. He touched me. So when Jesus touches us, it causes us to evaluate and reflect upon our lives. See, the message that Jesus spoke at this funeral was not long. It only consisted of eight simple words, but it was powerful. Jesus said, young man, I say to you, get up. And he's telling you and he's telling me tonight, young man, young woman, get up. You may think, pastor, that's easy for you to say. You don't know my situation, but God does. And he's saying, get up. He's saying, daughter. He's saying, son. He's saying, young man, young woman. He's saying, get up. There's still another round in you. There's still more that I got planned for your life. It's not over. There's still another half to play. He's telling us to get up. In Proverbs 24 and 16, it says, although a righteous person may fall seven times, he gets up again. He gets up again. He gets up. She gets up again. The fight is not over. The battle is not over. There's still more to be fought for. There's still more that you got to do. You got to get up, though. You got to get up. You got to get up. You may say it's hard. It's okay. Get up. You may say it's difficult. It's okay. Get up. You may say it's impossible. It's okay. Get up. All you got to do is get up, and God will do the rest, my friend. You got to allow him to touch our lives. We've got to allow him to touch our lives. He's still able, but we've got to allow him to. We've got to even want him to touch our lives. Do you come wanting him to touch your life? Or do you come because it's a midweek service? Or do you come because there's not really much else to do on a Wednesday night? 
Or do we come because we're expected to be here? We come because you feel obligated. What do we come for? I don't know about you. I come. Yes, I got to preach. But I also come because I need the Lord to touch me once again. We got to allow him to touch our lives. And lastly, because Jesus is still able, we must praise him for all he's done. In verse 15 and 16 of our text, it reads, The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave them back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. See, the way people held funerals in biblical times is a lot different than the way we have funerals today. In that day and time, they didn't take the person to the graveyard in a closed coffin. They usually carried them on a board. Plus, the grave wasn't a hole in the ground. It was a hole in the side of a hill. It was usually a natural or carved out cave that was reused by many different people. This was truly a miraculous event. It was a miracle because the man was dead but was made alive. It was miraculous because when a dead body was prepared for burial, it was usually stuffed with about a hundred pounds of herbs and spices in order to preserve the body. And when this young man was raised from the dead and sat up, he began to talk. First he sat up and then he spoke up. And I don't know about you, but wouldn't you like to know what this man said when he sat up and came back to life? I think like that sometimes outside the box. The Bible doesn't record it, but I think about it. I can only imagine. What would you say? What would you do? You know, what would you, you know, some of us, we could say, you know what, man, we died on a hospital bed before. We died from an overdose for a few seconds. We died perhaps for a few seconds swimming as a kid and they brought us back to life. Many of us or some of us are able to perhaps say that. But this individual was already fully dead. And his body was perhaps already filled with like a hundred pounds of herbs and spices. And he, I don't know, I'm just imagining this, but I could imagine him. The first thing he probably did was praise the Lord. See, I don't know, because me, when I think back, when, when I know that I should be dead tonight, I know that there was a number of occasions throughout my life where I shouldn't be alive tonight. And all I could do now that I know better, now that I see the light, now that I reflect upon it, all I could do is praise the Lord that I'm alive and I'm well and that God is using my life. But this individual, I could only imagine what he did. It was his funeral. Could you imagine that? Come on, think with me just for a moment. Think out of the box. But I could imagine that he praised the Lord. He had to. I would. I still do, amen? Wouldn't you be praising the Lord if he, re he resuscitated you or he brought you back? He resurrected you from the dead? But this individual, he sat up and then he spoke up. I believe he was grateful when he thanked Jesus. Because I know I do. When Jesus gave him back to his mother, I believe she was happy as well. How many mothers are here? How many would you be happy Right? You would not only be happy, but you probably serve the Lord the rest of your life. You probably wouldn't let that boy ever miss church again. 
You, hey, hey, no, you're tired? No, no, no. You've been up all night playing the game? You got to go to church because you wouldn't be able to play the game if it wasn't for Jesus. Right? So we have to understand that, that the mother was thankful. And I can imagine that she praised the Lord as well. Any parent about to bury a child and Jesus comes along and raises him from the dead would be thankful, would praise God, would be grateful. While we don't know what this young man or mother said, we do know what the rest of the people did. The Bible says that they all began praising God. They acknowledged what Jesus had done. They recognized his greatness. They gave glory to God. In Ephesians 3.21 it says, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. See, this is the primary purpose we have in life. is to give God glory. The Bible says that those who do not know Jesus as their personal Savior are already dead. In Ephesians 2.1 it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. We need to give God glory for forgiving us of our sins and for saving us from a lifetime of hell. And tonight we've been talking about how Jesus can turn the dead into the living and turn ashes into something beautiful. And in Ephesians 2.5 it says, Though we were spiritually dead because of the things we did against God, He gave us new life with Christ. See, Jesus can give you life just like he gave life back to this man. He can give you a new beginning. You can still start over right now by just trusting in him. See, we've got to be a people that praise him for what he's done. Because Jesus is still able. He's not done yet. And if he's seen us through before, I know he can see us through again. See, some, we may come in here, even me at times, and say, man, well, it looks like we've taken a hit. It looks like we've kind of fell off just a little bit. It looks like where are the people at tonight? See, but we could come in here and we can have a good mentality and a good attitude because we know that Jesus is still able. Yes, we might have taken a hit, but we're still ticking, baby. We're still going forward. We're still going to do what God has called us to do. It's not over got to praise him for what he's done and we got to realize that he's still got so much more that he's going to do he's not done with us yet he's not done with the home he's not done with the church he's not done with doing miracles here in east phoenix he's not done with saving your family members he's not done with those that have backslidden he's not done here in our city he's not done in your family he's not done in your marriage he's not done with your kids come on i said he's not done with us yet somebody get excited in this place he's not done he's still able if he's done it before he'll do it again he didn't bring us this far to leave us he brought us this far he's going to take us the rest of the way right He'll bring us the rest of the way. We're not has-beens. We still will be. We're still going to do all that God has called us to do. We're still going to build a church where the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're still going to make a lasting impact in this city. We're still going to do great, miraculous things for the kingdom of God. God's still going to raise us up and use us. But we got to know that he's still able. Why don't we all stand?
Jesus is still able. But we have to believe he has the power to meet our needs. We have to allow him to touch our lives. And we got to praise him for all he's done. Yes, I want him to do more. Yes, I wish we've done more. Yes, I, I want to grow faster and I want to reach more people. Yes, we want to do all those things. And, but Jesus is still able. Sometimes he has to build us inward before he'll build us outward. And sometimes he has to prepare us for the harvest and he has to prepare us for what he has in store. See, overnight success... We can lose overnight and we pretty much have when we first opened the doors we reached 100 people quickly quickly i was like wow this is pretty easy this ain't too bad i should have answered the call 10 years ago this ain't all that bad but overnight growth you can lose as well overnight see but i know and i believe with all my heart that god wants to do the miraculous here in our church God is just preparing us see God has to strengthen my faith he has to build my faith and he has to do a work in my life and then it trickles down through the leadership and then through the overall church he wants us to secure our base our church that we would be all that he has called us to be and that we would be ready for what he has in store come on you guys believe that tonight don't be discouraged if we, we, when we take a hit. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Let it motivate you. Let it challenge you. Let it inspire you to do greater. Let it make you angry, that righteous anger. Like, man, I need to reach more people. I got to preach to more people. I got to pray for more people. I got to go out to the streets. See, some of the guys, they say, oh, we don't have flyers. We don't have flyers. The youth have flyers, and they have the church service on them. So don't use that excuse. We don't have flyers. We don't have, we don't have flyers. You are the flyer. That's the way I was taught. You are the flyer. Oh, the flyers at the men's home had. They all got wet. It's okay. You are the flyer. You have a voice. You're the hands, the feet, the voice of Jesus. But we're like, oh, we're waiting for flyer. We're waiting for flyers. Well, keep waiting. And before you know it, there might just be us and the leadership team here. We're going to say, we're still waiting for flyers. We're waiting for flyers. And it's going to just be the men's home and me here. Amen. I'm still waiting for flyers. I'm still waiting for flyers. No, you are the flyer. The gang has flyers. We can go out there. It has a schedule of service on there. There's still a stack of flyers in that sound booth too. At least there was about three days ago. About that big. Probably a good 500 flyers or so. So we can't get discouraged when we take a hit, but we've got to keep pressing forward, believing that God is going to do some great things in and through our lives, amen, in and through our church. God's not done with us yet. I'm encouraged because I, I, whenever we have a small amount of people come out, whether there's 70, 60 people total, whatever, 70, 80, whatever it is, I don't know what it is. But I'm encouraged because I still reflect to my Bible. And my Bible has a lot of promise because they only had 12. And they turned this world upside down with just 12 people. Amen. Our men's homes got more than 12 in it. 
So I'm encouraged, amen. I, I, you know, I might have a righteous anger inside of me, but I'm encouraged because I know what God is able to do. I know that Jesus is still able. He's still able. All I need is 12 radical. 12. 12 radical. I'm talking about men that are willing to put their hands to the plow and not look back. That are willing to, you know, come on, that's willing to pick up their cross and carry it and follow after Jesus. That are willing to forsake all and say, man, it's all about the kingdom of God. All I need is 12 or better yet, just 11 or better yet, just 10. Because if you count me and my wife, so I just need 10 radical individuals that would say, you know what, man, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to build the kingdom of God. I'm, do, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, sacrifice, do whatever I got to do to reach as many people for the kingdom of God. Because I know that Jesus is still able. Yes, I may be going through it in my family, in my marriage, in my finances, in my health, in my faith. But I know that Jesus is still able. And because he's still able...